The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. It was a busy job. I was always on the road, so wasn't able to go to the theatre as much as I as I wanted, and so I filled the time with reading instead. I was reading more, and in particular, I realised I was reading crime fiction. I was reading spy fiction. I was reading all of that, you know, great Cold War espionage stuff, all of the action adventure stuff. Loving it until one day I read this book, and it started out absolutely magnificently you know the kind of book that you will miss your stop on the bus or the train because you're just so absorbed by it you'll stay up all night and be unable to go to work the next day because you just couldn't put it down that's how it started but the end was an enormous disappointment couldn't understand how the author he he seemed to have set up so many amazing possibilities but then not followed them through and i was thinking to myself why didn't he do you know why didn't he follow up on this character why didn't he explore that scenario you know all of these things in my mind and they became like an itch that i had to scratch i had to find out could i do it could i do it myself And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Number one New York Times bestselling author Andrew Child spoke to me about his lifelong obsession with storytelling, working with Jack Reacher co-author and brother Lee Child, and their latest in the series, The Secret. In addition to four Reacher novels, Andrew Child, the pen name of author Andrew Grant, has also written his own hit thriller series, including Run, False Positive, False Friend, False Witness, Invisible, and Too Close to Home. His brother Lee is the creator of the international best-selling, award-winning 28-book series of Jack Reacher novels and winner of Author of the Year at the 2019 British Book Awards. NPR said of the books, the Reacher novels are easily the best thriller series going. And James Patterson said of the brothers' collaboration, Two Childs, are better than one. In this file, Andrew and I discussed his past lives in theater in the corporate world, the two saddest words in the English language, what it was like being a beta reader for Lee's early Reacher novels, the evolution of the Child Brothers' low-tech writing process, how to outright self-doubt, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And 
If you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by an esteemed guest. I've got New York Times bestselling author, Andrew Child is hanging out with us, and I can't wait to talk about all the things. What is uh, going on over there? Are you in the States presently? Hi, Kelton. And first of all, thank you so much for having me on the on the show. It's an absolute pleasure to get to talk. And yeah, right now I am in the States. I'm at home in, in Wyoming, and we're having beautiful weather right now. We're just at that point where we're tipping over from summer into the fall. So still bright and sunny, but the uh, temperatures are dropping and the leaves are changing. So very, very beautiful outside. Lovely. Yeah. Um, what part of Wyoming are you in? We are in southeast Wyoming. The nearest place to us is Laramie. But essentially, we live in the middle of nowhere. So uh, it's a <laughs> wo- wonderful place to live, particularly when, uh, you know, we both, uh, we both are writers. We both work from home. So it's amazing. No distractions, nothing to, uh, to get in our way. And uh, in fact, um, the moose and the elk and the deer, they come right up to the house. But if we want to find people, we have to get in the car and drive and look for them. So uh, it's the complete opposite <laughs> to living in the city. Amazing, amazing. Well, that sounds like an idyllic writerly place to be. So talk a little bit. So this is interesting. Your wife is also a novelist. And um, that's got to be kind of interesting because i know you know i talk to a lot of writers who you know have that same like five foot commute and work from home and talk about kind of again those challenges of kind of like living in solitary confinement for your job but it must be interesting having a spouse who is also a writer do you how do you um (laughs) how do you stay sane and and not get in each other's way well, you know, I think it's it, it for us. It's turned out to be a huge benefit that we we both do the same thing because, you know, let's face it, being being a writer isn't the most sensible way that you can make a living. You spend the whole time in your pajamas making up stories in your head. And um, you know, I had a friend um, in England who's a playwright, and uh, you know, he'd get up in the morning all frustrated because his his play wasn't working the way he wanted it to be, and he'd kind of throw himself down on the couch, and his wife would be getting the kids ready for school and taking them to school and doing her own job, and then picking the kids up at the end of the day and bringing them home <laughs> and having to cook dinner, and he'd still be lying on the couch saying, talking about what a terrible day he'd had, you know, and she was ready to stab him and <laughs> You know, so I'll say, you know, I'll show you what a terrible day looks like. But, you know, we get it. We get that sense of frustration that that catches up with you sometimes. And we understand what it's like when you're at that kind of beginning phase of a book. And if you try to describe it, you sound like you're completely out of your mind because you're saying, oh, yeah, I've got this great idea. You know, there's this guy and he does this thing in this place. You know, you sound you sound nuts. So we, you know, we get it when you're at that stage. And then as you're going through the process and, uh, you know, you work through those inevitable frustrating periods and uh, you get to the end when you just get complete tunnel vision and the pizza boxes are piling up and the dishes go unwashed, you know, we, we know what that's all about and so we can we can really support each other through that and as well as that we can be the first people to read each other's stuff because when you've been working on it for a year you know what it's like you're so close to it 
you kind of lose perspective and it's really mm. helpful to have someone that you can absolutely trust to read it and tell you if it's uh, if it's okay if you're safe to send it in to your editors or you know if it's time to change your name and leave the country so it's <laughs> um, it's it's really good for us we, it really works well amazing amazing well i understand you weren't always a best-selling author, and you ran a small independent theater company in, a, in an earlier incarnation. Talk a little bit about, yeah, kind of this path to best-selling author, of course, working with your brother Lee on the Jack Reacher series. Yeah, kind of uh, this uh, winding path to um, where you are today. Yeah, I mean, that's a great expression, a winding path, because that's absolutely what it was, you know. Um, it, it certainly wasn't um, a kind of convenient or simple, straight um, progression. Um, and I think that the key to it and the theater thing really is is part of this, is that um, I'm not one of those people who set out from childhood, you know, always knowing they wanted to be a writer. Uh, you know, I don't have a closet full of handwritten books I made when I was, when I was small. <laughs> I, I never had it in mind that I was going to be a writer. But looking back, I've just always been completely obsessed with telling stories. I just, even as a little kid, anything that I came across, anything that I saw, anything that happened to me, anything I did, you know, whether I was supposed to do it or not, that always formed the basis of a story. When I got to university, I was doing, uh, I started out doing English literature because in the UK, it's a little different. You have to, you, you don't apply to university and then have a couple of years to figure out what you want to major in. You have to apply for the subject that you want to study. And for me, it turned out English literature was a bit of a mistake because I'd loved it at school, at high school, because the teachers were amazing and they let you, you, you could come up with any theory you wanted about any book or play or poem as long as you could justify it. So it became this really fantastic kind of intellectual challenge. You know, you come up with a new interpretation and you then have to defend it. I loved doing that. But at university, it was different because the professors were all these international nationally famous people in their field, you know, and they saw any different um, interpretation as a challenge, you know, almost a sign of disrespect. And so the arguments became very negative and I wound up getting kicked out of a couple of the classes. And so I really wanted to change to something else. But the only way to do that back then was to drop out and come back the following year. And you know, that would have, to my, my father, that would have felt too much like giving up. <laughs> and that was something that you were simply not allowed to do. So the best I could do was switch so that it was half English and half drama. And I just loved the drama because you had a completely blank page. A lot of, you, you did, you know, you studied some of the theory, some of the practical stuff, but then a lot of the assessments were about, you wrote the play, you acted in the play, you had to do the lighting, the sound, the costume, the set, everything. And I just loved doing that. But like a lot of things, if you do it as part of, a, of an assessment, Every time you've done the exam, you have to move on to the next part of the curriculum. And you might not be ready to move on. You know, you might think there's still, there's still material here that I want to explore. And um, five of my friends felt the same way. So the six of us together, we thought before you get bogged down in the nine to five and the mortgage and all of that, let's 
form our own company, and then we can explore everything that we felt we scratched the surface of, but were never able to take all the way. And so we did that for um, for about two years. We thought we'd be able to get everything done in one year, but you know, life gets in the way, and it actually took two. But it was a fantastic time. We um, we wrote all our own material. We toured the country. We went to the Edinburgh Festival. We had a wonderful, wonderful time. But at the end of it, we we were broke. So. Uh, it was time to do something else. (laughs) Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction, And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Yeah, so talk about the kind of your, again, kind of your journey to to finding fiction and then the novel, uh, you know, now to working with Lee and, and w- what that has, you know, kind of felt or looked like for you. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And I think that the, the, the part, you know, the thing that, that connected the dots from the theater company to becoming a novelist was the time I spent in the corporate world because... What normal theatre companies do is they will have they'll they'll alternate between established, well-known works, you know, Shakespeare or something by another well-known author that, that will bring plenty of people into the theatre, and then the money they make from those productions will subsidise the new experimental stuff. But we were only doing experimental stuff, so we were a, a tiny theatre company that no one had ever heard of, doing plays that no one had ever heard of. So you can imagine, financially, it was a challenge. And so at the end of it, I just thought, okay, I need I need, I need, need to fix the hole in my bank account. So um, and this is pre-internet, so if you wanted to get a, a 
undergraduate job in those days, you had to buy a copy of the Sunday Times and look at the the employment section. So I bought one and I cut out all of the all of the job adverts that I thought I was qualified for, and I lined them up. It was very scientific. I lined them up in order of which had the biggest starting salary, <laughs> since you know it was entirely I was only doing it for the money and. Um, Amazingly, I got the, the, the job that offered the most money, so that was great because I thought I'd be able to um, get back on an even keel quickly and, and get out. But, you know, a lot of, as a lot of these things go, you know, I got trapped in there, you know, the, the mortgage got me, everything else, you know, trapped me in there. And so it was a busy job. I was always on the road, so wasn't able to go to the theater as much as I, as I wanted. And so I filled the time with reading instead. I was reading more. And in particular, I realized I was reading crime fiction. I was reading spy fiction. I was reading all of that, you know, great Cold War espionage stuff, all of the action adventure stuff, loving it. Until one day I read this book and it started out absolutely magnificently you know the kind of book that you will miss your stop on the bus or the train because you're just so absorbed by it you'll stay up all night and be unable to go to work the next day because you just couldn't put it down that's how it started but the end was an enormous disappointment couldn't understand how the author he, he seemed to have set up so many amazing possibilities but then not followed them through and I was thinking to myself why didn't he do you know why didn't he follow up on this character why didn't he explore that scenario you know all of these things in my mind and they became like an itch that I had to scratch I had to find <laughs> out could I do it could I do it myself and so I tried for a few years well a couple of years maybe to write kind of in the evenings and do my day job in the day. It just didn't work for me. I couldn't get the momentum going. So eventually I had to decide either to forget about the idea or to give up my, my, my you know, it was a stupid move, give up my well-paying, secure, stable <laughs> job in order to find out if I could do it. But somebody said to me, this, the two saddest words in the English language are what if. And I just thought, I don't <laughs> want to get to the end of a, you know, okay career but be looking back and thinking, well, what if I tried to do the thing that I wanted to do? So I just thought, right, I'm just going to do it. I quit. <clears throat> I got managed to get enough severance money to last for a year. And I thought, I've got that year to, to, do, to show whether I, whether I can do this job or not. And, um, you know, fortunately, that, that worked out. I um, was able to get a contract for the, for the first book that I wrote and, um, you know, went on and wrote a few more um, under, uh, under my real name, which, which is Andrew Grant. And then that led to the collaboration with Lee. Amazing. Well, of course, uh, the iconic Jack Reacher series now, um, I believe the latest is uh, 26 or is it 25? Oh, the latest one. Let me think. Uh, 25, 26. It's 28 is the one that's coming oh, 20, out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> All right. So 28 is the number uh, Washington Post called Reacher, one of this century's most original tantalizing pop fiction heroes. NPR called the novels easily the best thriller series going. And James Patterson said, two childs are better than one. What is it like? working with your brother i mean that is that is that is the, <laughs> the big question because um it was actually a, a a real live question for both of us because neither of us had ever 
worked with anybody this closely before. Um, and, you know, Lee in particular always felt that novel writing, it was critical to have a clear, distinctive individual voice. And so it was, very, it was, it was a mystery to us, you know, how are we going to do it? So we figured it out initially back in the later you know the closing period of 2019 and then of course start of 2020 the pandemic hit and so we had to reinvent how we were doing it so we had to work out how to do it twice and it's just been um, the, the best fun because you know it's, it's a dream come true I have to pinch myself you know I'm getting to do the job that I love doing and I get to do it with my brother it's been amazing and um, you know a lot of times people are pressing us you know about well do you fight all the time do you argue do you squabble and we, and we really haven't we really haven't because we are very very similar people the same things make us laugh the same things make us mad um, if you looked at our bookshelves you'd see that we have a huge number of books in common it's the same with music uh, same with other hobbies and so we are very similar we think in the same way we react to things in the same way and um, you know I was the first person in the world to read a Reacher book you know when Lee had got laid off from his old his, his job he would have been fired he had no money he had to make it work and so he sent me the manuscript and I was terrified I've never been more worried about reading a book in my life because I knew <laughs> I knew how important it was to him you know he had to put food on the table he had to pay his mortgage and if this book was terrible I was the one who was going to have to tell him and then I was going to have to figure out well what happens next does he have to come and sleep in my spare room you know do i have to send him food parcels so i was so worried reading that book uh killing floor but of course i had nothing to worry about it was brilliant and it you know it led to the reacher series taking off and so i was so familiar with reacher as a character because i remember reading that book and that you know if, if if you think about how that book opens first person with reacher getting arrested and going to the police station takes ages before reacher actually states his name and part of that was because lee hadn't decided on the name yet when he was <laughs> when he started writing it but i remember reading it and thinking you know i don't know the character's name but I know this character, you know, it, it, it was coming from Lee's subconscious and it was same for me. And so we, over the years, you know, nearly a quarter of a century between Killing Floor and, and Lee asking me to, to join him. And during that time, we would sit together, we would, anytime we were hanging out, we would laugh and joke and talk about, well, what would Reacher do about this? What, what would Reacher think about that? It was like he was an imaginary extra brother, you know, there in the room with us. So I was, I was super familiar with Reacher and how Reacher would respond to things. So I think that was a real help when it came to working together because it wasn't like he had to sit down and explain what Reacher was. I knew that. And so it was really just a question of how do we, knowing what we know about Reacher, how do we come up with the stories and how do we get that down on paper? So, you know, a lot of the work was done for us because of that shared experience It was and shared DNA. It was really just the, the logistics of turning the kind of the daydreaming part into the, the finished product with words on the page. When 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, let's talk about the logistics, if you, if you can. So obviously, you're working on different continents, I believe, um, at least part of the time. Not always, part of the time, but a lot of the time we are together in the States. Um, when we started out, because he has a house about three miles from me, so we, we, he could just pop over any time. Post-pandemic, we, we stopped because we were trying to be, be conscientious about the whole, um, you know, not, not spreading the, the, the disease. And so we started working independently, remotely. And that actually surprisingly turned into a benefit. It, it was less fun because obviously hanging out in the same room with your brother and, and deciding what happens next in the story is, is huge fun. But what we found was that if we'd been talking in the day, you know, daydreaming, fleshing out the next part of the story, and then say, I, I put it down on paper in the evening, and he came back the next day, that you just can't help but kind of explain it in advance you know you can't help but say this is what i've done this is why this is how it connects to what we did the day before this is where it's going this is what i think is important about it can't help doing that and then when the other person reads it they can't unhear that explanation and so the words on the page aren't really doing all the work like they have to if somebody buys the book or borrows it from the library so it wasn't really realistic but once we were doing it separately and then emailing it back and forth that's all you had the words on the page just like the reader has and it became clear much more quickly whether that part was good enough or whether it needed more work so um, it made the process less fun but more efficient and so we have continued using that method even though now we physically could get together if we wanted to we just feel if you've got a system that works why mess with it yeah absolutely well that's pretty fascinating talk a little bit about you know as you're again uh as you've said emailing what uh software using so you're not using google docs where you can kind of comment on the work uh how are you how are you incorporating your brother's notes into your day-to-day -day? it's it, i mean 
I know there are all kinds of, um, of of systems out there that are meant for you know designed for collaboration. But you know, yeah. Lee is a you know it, it, you might have noticed in some of the later reaches that he wrote on his own. You know how Reacher was kind of falling behind in terms of the technology and not <laughs> not being super up to date. Well, you know that is very much Lee. You know he he will use things that work, and if he's got something that works, he's in no hurry to throw it away and find something else. So from day one, he was using Word, and so we're still using Word. So, um, and the thing with Word is it it just works. It's it, 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 there are things about it that, that can be irritating, but ultimately it's it's pretty effective. So we we just use Word. We build on the master document, just you know, making it longer and longer and longer. And then we talk on the phone, or if if, we, if he's around, we talk in person. And then I'll make any changes to the document that um, come out of that discussion. So there's nothing high tech or fancy. No, no cloud sharing stuff. No, not even track changes. Um, track changes come into play once uh, we send it to our editors, and it's very useful from that point of view because we have um, an editor in New York and an editor in London, and so we can we can use between us track changes very effectively to keep everybody's suggestions and notes uh, on track but um you know lee's not a fan of track changes so that that kind of managing <laughs> the document kind of kind of falls on on me to do but you know we've we've, we've really we've really got it the, the the process dialed in at the, you know after we, we've done four together so we've um we've got that working pretty smoothly now yeah yeah congrats um that's a very cool story and it sounds like you guys have got your system down even though lee may be a bit of a luddite <laughs> exactly so uh, you know i do most of the actual typing because it, uh, it's a lot quicker that way well, congrats on the latest. The secret, of course, as you said, is the 28th uh, gripping new thriller from the number one New York Times bestselling authors, Lee and Andrew Child. Yeah, talk a little bit about, I know we have limited time, but I'd love to hear just a little bit about the origin um, or the inspiration, sorry, that went into the latest. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll just get uh, kind of your final thoughts on how to keep going. Well, thank you. Yeah, the 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 inspiration for The Secret, really two things. First thing was, now that uh, in-person conferences have started up again and um, you can you can do events where you can meet meet the readers, uh, you know, that was horrible during COVID when that was all shut down. We, talking, to, talking to Reacher fans, we know that people really enjoy the prequels where Reacher was still in the army. Uh, people love that. And we haven't, we hadn't done one of those together. So we thought uh, it was time for another prequel. So that was in the back of our minds. And then um, a couple of years ago, independently, we'd, we'd come across a, a news story about uh, how mainly in Russia, but also in, in other parts of Europe, there were, um, well-dressed, respectable, well-to-do businessmen mysteriously falling out of windows or falling downstairs mm. or getting poisoned or falling off their yachts and drowning. You know, all of these, these deaths that no one could prove were murders, but, you know, didn't pass the smell test for anything else. So mm -hmm. we thought, you know, that was just a fascinating scenario. These bodies hurtling out of windows and falling into into the ocean and whatever. We thought there's got to be a story here. So we started kicking that around, um, particularly in the context of the of the prequel. 
and deciding well how can we how can we turn this into a story and what will it have to do with reacher so we decided the way to go would be that um a lot, somebody is is murdering a group, a group of people that initially seem unconnected, um, but it catches the attention of the Secretary of Defense uh, because it, it seems like it might be tied into something that had been going on at the end of the 60s. So this book said in 92, but it was um, a lot of the events that are referred to occurred in 69. So the Secretary of Defense calls for a task force to investigate. And so in any Kind of bureaucratic setting, you don't know, is this because they actually want it solved or is it because they're looking for a scapegoat if it doesn't get solved? So mm-hmm. Reacher is um, is brought in. He's he's recently, if, if for, for long-term readers, they'll, they'll remember that Reacher got busted down from major to captain at one point. So this mm-hmm. is shortly after he's been busted. So he's still kind of out of favor. So he is tapped for this, for this uh, place on this task force. So he has to work with people from other agencies to try to figure out what's going on, who's behind it, and and how to stop it. And so he's got to kind of navigate his way through a bit of a political minefield as well as showing his investigative chops you know he, all that uh, the way the one thing that we changed was that we we thought it would be more fun rather than be presented with all of these deaths as a kind of fait accompli we thought it would be more fun if you see the you, there are a couple of them have already occurred so in the book you see these murders taking place you see what happens to the victims and then you see reacher you know surely and steadily homing in on on uh, on the guilty party and uh, making sure that justice is done yeah well congrats on the latest of course i'll point at jackreacher.com and um yeah where else do you like to connect with uh readers and listeners the best way I feel is, um, you know, through the in-person events because it's great to talk to people and get their unguarded opinions. You know, find out what they really think and what they like, so that we can um, we can make sure to give them as much of what they like as possible. And um, that that's my favourite. And then, of course, there are the ordinary, you know, the normal social media channels too. So, um, but but in person is my favourite. One hundred percent. And how can we learn about your upcoming uh, tour schedule? Is that on the website? Uh, it will be in due course, and also um, there will be details re- released um, mainly through Instagram. I think is the main channel that they'll use. So um, keep an eye on the website or on on social media, and the details will come through. One hundred percent. I will link to all the things. The latest, of course, is the secret. Um, yeah, congrats. And congrats on, I understand that there's going to be a second season of the uh, the Reacher um, streamer on Amazon. Is that right? That is correct. Yeah, that will be, um, I believe, uh, airing in December. So uh, not too much longer to wait. Are y'all involved in any of that writing process? Or well, are you Lee, just... Lee, is, Lee is pretty pretty well involved because, you know, um, Lee worked in television before he um, he he got fired and and became a writer. So you know, TV is kind of in his blood. So I feel like uh, you know he, he kind of feels like he's come home really, getting to be involved with the with the TV series. And um, you know, lessons were learned from the movies, and so I think they've been applied very very effectively to the TV series. And what is great about the TV and what was what was impossible with the movie is just 
just the sheer amount of time that's available as part of a streaming TV series. You've got, you got seven or eight episodes where you can explore every nuance, every step in the investigation. You can, you can do the quiet parts as well as the loud parts. You can do the slow parts as well as the fast parts, which give it much more texture, much more context. So the, the TV, I think, is a perfect medium for, for dramatizing it. And, um, I've got to say, I mean, I haven't been involved, but I think that they are doing a fantastic job, you know, from the from the casting to the writing to the acting and the execution. It has been amazing. So I'm very excited for this second series to uh, to be available. 100%. I know we're at the half hour mark. You probably got to jump off. Any, one last pearl on just how to persevere as an author. Yeah, that is a very good question because um, you know even in Stephen King's famous book, you know, on writing, he even he talks about having to write quickly to outrun the self doubt, and I think that that ability to shut down those voices in your head that, that are questioning yourself that is absolutely key. So the the only thing that I can really offer to, to help with that is that you just got to remember what your job is, you know, because even though you feel like writing is a solitary thing because you're at home on your own when you're doing it, really, you're part of a team. There are a lot of other people involved. And some of those other people, they're the ones who are going to decide whether what you're doing is okay or not. So your job is to start at the beginning and it is to keep going until you reach the end and stop trying to second guess, is what I'm doing any good or or do I need to change it? You know, get to the end and then trust your editors, work with them, and then make the book as good as you possibly can. But don't feel like all that weight is on you. You know, your job is to start at the beginning and get to the end. Amazing. Andrew, it has been a pleasure. Come back anytime. We appreciate your words and wisdom and uh, best of luck out there. Well, thank you, Kelton. It's been a pleasure and I would love to come back on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm.